0: This episode is brought to you by BentoBox, a hospitality platform that empowers restaurants through their own website. During these uncertain times in the industry, BentoBox is supporting restaurants through online ordering and gift cards. Opening soon listeners get 50% off setup fees at getbento.com slash opening soon. That's G-E-T dot com slash opening soon.
1: The hardest thing I've had to do, the hardest decision I've ever made, the toughest call of my career. Countless chefs and restaurateurs, notorious for their ability to handle any scenario thrown at them, have echoed this lead into what has subsequently been followed by closure announcements. Starting today on this special edition of Opening Soon, which we'll be optimistically dubbing hereafter reopening soon, we are talking to chefs and restaurateurs impacted by the coronavirus crisis. We hope to get some advice, share some of the pain, and find hope for the future.
0: It's heartbreaking to see the very establishments that nourish our bellies and our souls and serve as the heart of our communities on the front line of this crisis. The economic impact is devastating, and we're only just getting to see what's going to happen. There are over 15.6 million people employed in the industry in the United States. They take home over $300 billion in wages each year, and the hospitality industry alone puts out $800 billion in revenue. So, today our first guest is David Helbron and Lee Jacobs of Helbron Levy. David has been on the show before and we're so happy to have him. Welcome back. He's such an expert and is always a guiding voice in this industry. So, thank you for being here today.
2: Thanks, guys. I wish I could use the words I'm happy, but uh, <laughs> I'm not happy, but I am uh, always, it's always good to talk to you.
0: Yeah, it's always great to talk to you, David. So, you know, I think you guys are probably on the front lines of this assisting your clients, what are the questions that people are coming at you with and what do they need to know immediately?
2: Well, the questions change day by day, hour by hour. Today, people are asking me how long they think this thing is going to last. And we're talking about a spread from our point of view of anywhere from two to six months And I'm having our clients prepare for the eventualities of two months, three months, four months, right down the line. That's the big question. How long is it going to last? The second big question has been answered, and that is, can I serve liquor and mixed drinks to my clients? And that was answered yesterday by the State Liquor Authority. So um, that was a little bit of good news for some people on St. Patrick's Day.
1: So bars have been forced to close, but... Restaurants can still serve uh, alcohol. Is that is that what the difference? Is that why the question arose?
2: Bars can stay open if they're serving food. I got you. And they can all deliver. I have one client who's delivering uh, pitchers of Negronis for sixty dollars. It's ten Negronis and you know six bucks a drink.
1: That'll make you forget about this for a little while.
3: <laughs>
2: you know, you know, <laughs> At least We, we got to numb the pain sometimes.
0: So so I think those are short term solutions, right? So people are delivering as this continues to evolve, because as you said, it's changing literally hour by hour. You know, how long can these band-aids support the industry? And at what point do we need, you know, government relief? And what are some of the steps that people can take to get ahead and prepare?
2: Well, there are no band-aids on right now. It's an open, gushing wound.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
2: People are bleeding out on the street. I I can't be more graphic than that. That's really what is happening. So we are screaming at our politicians on all levels, state and federal, to get behind the goddamn industry and help us out with some bailouts. And the first thing they can do is shore up the insurance companies and let them know that if they cover business interruption claims on our clients' insurance policies, that they'll back them up?
0: Yeah, th- that's a great question. Because like, actually, the first call I made as a small business owner yesterday was to my landlord and to our logistics center for fixed costs. And the second call I made was to my insurance company. And I was like, tell me about my business interruption insurance. They're like, it's not covered. Talk to you later was essentially the response i got. So so how do we you know they're like and if something changes you can try and file a claim. So how how do we go about that and make noise and you know try to get this covered and is like what about the other businesses that support the hospitality industry and getting coverage for these things as well?
2: Well, i mean, the way to make noise usually would be to hit the streets uh, but we can't do that, right. so hit the hit the keypads and start writing to people and start making some noise to your local, start with your local politicians and move your way up. But frankly, if, if they don't do anything with this insurance issue, um, we're going to be in, in big trouble. The other thing that needs to happen in addition to insurance is the rent situation, mm-hmm. right? Everybody's closed. No one's making money. How in the world are we supposed to pay rent? And so somehow, somewhere, the government has to recognize this, get behind it, and either put a rent freeze into effect or somehow bail out landlords because the landlords are going to be ultimately the ones left holding the bag.
3: Right. Uh, Lee, talk to us a little bit about uh, – you know one of the practical any agreement that we have with our landlords about payment of rent in the interim until the government provides larger guidance we need to make sure that it's in writing um there is no handshake agreements during this time frame uh we need to to protect ourselves on the business because most of most of the restaurant owners they while their entity may be the leasing entity on the actual lease It's the actual operators, the owners that are the personal guarantors on the lease. So while the landlords may be, you know, end of the day holding the bag and if the government isn't providing any relief and our business goes out of business, if we still got a personal guarantee on that lease, I I can pretty, pretty much guarantee that in the future, the landlords may be coming after us to try to recoup those monies directly from the business owners.
0: So basically what you're saying is get everything in writing. And if you've PG'd anything on a lease, you're still liable. So go ahead and start talking to your landlord, but make sure that anything you've personally guaranteed your, your cover, like how do you protect against that?
3: You, you can't right now, unfortunately, the, right? o- the only way right now on some, on a lease with a good guy guarantee is you have to be in good standing in order to exercise the good guy. And the good guy is where you get out of your obligations personally under the lease. Um, so if we stop paying rent now, um, and we're technically would be considered in default, and three months from now we, we have to close up shop because this, the situation hasn't recovered, you won't be able to exercise that good guy guarantee. So while the business could fold, you're still left holding the bag. So these are things that the government needs to step in and start providing guidance um, as soon as possible on these issues.
0: Yeah, it's really scary because it is true. It's like at some point somebody else is 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 definitely going to be left holding the bag, whether it's you know the businesses or the landlords. Is there a way you know to start talking? Like, should people start talking to their landlords? now and is there like is it email sufficient documentation or is that something that like you need to send over to legal counsel for review
3: excellent question so you and for all things right now whether we're talking to landlords or vendors whoever it may be it's much better to ask for Uh, permission rather than forgiveness. Open and honest communication is the way to prevent the uninvoided and unexpected. We can't control what this virus is going to do or what the government may do, but we can control how we personally react to this situation and doing that is having communications with whoever we owe money to. So our landlord, it's letting them know what's happening, say we want to reopen eventually whenever we can, please work with us. An email is sufficient in this time frame, but we do encourage um, that anyone who does have an agreement with their landlord, whether it be a rent abatement or um, to, uh, to a discounted rent, that it g- goes to, into a written document that's covered over by your lawyer. So that way, if you do need to exercise your good guy guarantee in the future, you're not left in this nebulous situation where you said this and I said that, we, we have it in writing, and it's clear, ready to go. And, and as it applies to vendors, the same rules. Speak to them now. Get on the touch with them now about you can't pay your bills, limit your um, supply chains, limit your orders. But remember, with the vendors, you probably have a personal guarantee on those agreements as well that you have to worry about. And if you're telling your vendors and you choose to remain open that you can't pay them, you have to be expect that that vendor is going to say, "Well, if you can't pay me, I'm not delivering you any goods."
0: Right, but there's nowhere to deliver too much right now. I mean, so I think, and the vendors are hurting too, so I, they'll probably be willing to take whatever, you know, whatever they can get too. So I think, we're, again, it's like the vendors who support this industry. A lot of them are also small businesses. Um, exactly. So it's you know, it's a whole larger ecosystem. So talk to me about. Um, Lee, I know that your specialty is the employment practices, Um, you know, so obviously the employees who make up this industry are also, you know, getting the, the shit end of the stick for lack of better, better words. That's the perfect word. (laughs) Um, you know, it's, it's crushing and you, there's, there's just so many people supported and employed. So tell, tell us like, how can we, what resources are there for those employees and, Um, What can employers do who are faced with these horrible choices that they have to make?
3: So I I can tell you that here in New York, since most of the locations who were unable to utilize their existing delivery infrastructure or to pivot, who could not pivot to a delivery setup, have to closed and are in the process right now of determining whether to lay off temporarily their employees or to actually terminate their employees. And there are different reasons why, and each business has different reasons for choosing which path. Um, But we've seen uh, to date so far, the employees are understanding and they know that this situation is out of our control. Um, What we are telling our clients to advise their employees immediately is file for unemployment. The one thing that I do know for sure um, is that the government has waived the one week waiting period where normally you would have to wait to file for unemployment for one week until after you lost your job, that's been waived. And the government has also waived rules concerning timing, how long you've had to have been employed, um, as well as, uh, uh, you know, whether or not you have to continue to find work and look for work to remain on unemployment benefits. And we encourage everyone to apply as soon as possible because remember the same shutdown orders that are affecting us here are going to be affecting the same um, uh, people in here in New York and Albany in the Department of Labor that are processing these applications. So...
2: Be careful, be careful what you advise, Lee. Yesterday, the uh, New York State uh, Unemployment website crashed because seven of oh, I think seven hundred thousand people applied for unemployment insurance.
3: Yeah. Uh there's a one eight hundred number that people can also apply for unemployment as well. Um but yes, it's it's we're there the, the guidance from the federal government is that you that you have to give your employees the information how to apply for unemployment. Um, and other than that, we found um, some of our clients are working in creative ways to support their clients, uh, their employees. Some are thinking about doing GoFundmes. Some are are taking their profits that they make during this interim period that they're staying in a close um, in a delivery model of taking those profits and and giving them to their employees that are not that are that are no longer being able to work. Um, everyone is trying to get creative and to figure out what's happening. Uh, because the problem that we have is that the federal government has yet to finalize anything and everything with respect to um, the h- how emergency paid leave is going to work. The Senate was supposed to debate this yesterday, and they didn't, and they're still dragging their feet today.
0: So, yeah, I mean, because there's obviously a lot going on in the government as well. Right. So they're trying to figure out how are we going to relieve all these people? And so, you know, so how are people supposed to hang on? You know, so legally they can file for unemployment? Is there any other like grants for um, for employees or employers out there?
3: So for the employees there at at this time, there is not um, uh, that is made specifically for the employees that have been affected or laid off from this uh, in our industry. I know that there are um, public research uh, advocacy groups that are working towards that, but there has been no formal assistance or relief programs that have been made available. As speaking to business owners, um, we're still waiting for guidance from the city of New York as to its small business loan that was supposed to be for $75,000 with no interest over, I believe, 10 years um, to, to repay back. But the website is still asking you to sign up uh, f- to get more information, not even to sign up to apply for the loan. So we're in this still nebulous wait and see period which is just not helping and it's adding to the anxiety that everyone is is feeling.
1: Optimistically thinking towards the idea of reopening, um, if restaurants are essentially closing down, is there going to be some sort of, again this is unprecedented, but is there going to be some sort of reopening process of like permitting and, and health department inspections and fire department inspections after everything has essentially been closed down for what could be Two to four months or, or longer.
2: I'm not expecting that to be the case, um, but you know, typically the health department doesn't really have their act together. So who knows what they're going to do?
1: Would it be more beneficial to try and stay open on a on a tighter schedule to to alleviate that issue?
2: No, no. If if you can't make money and it's not worth it, you should be you should be closing up shop. There's no reason to stay open.
0: So at what point do you advise your clients that like with, you know, like with the delivery and with the takeouts, you know, I think some people are just trying to like keep employees as long as they can, but at what point is it like, Hey, it's just not going to ever make sense right now. And we should all just hunker down and sit on whatever cash you have.
2: I mean, at, at this point, our clients know themselves when that moment, when that moment arises um, because they're working with such small staffs that they'll know if they're making enough money for it to be worth it. And if they're not, there's no room to lose any more money today. So if they're not making money, they're just going to close. If they are making money, they'll stay open. It's a very, very simple uh, mathematical equation.
0: And my last question for you is like, so some of, you know, like the basically in New York city, they're, they're allowing ghost kitchens. Right. So is this, What legal repercussions does that have for people to be able to get relief and aid? Because technically you are allowed to stay open right now, but not in any sort of winning proposition.
2: It shouldn't, it shouldn't affect anybody, honestly. If you're looking for business interruption insurance, you're still going to get it, right? Your business was still interrupted and curtailed and you still had major losses. So it, it shouldn't affect anybody, honestly.
4: So
0: basically like what we need is to is to hammer home the message to the government like we need you to tell the insurance companies to give us business interruption. I mean I I got the same I got the same, you know, message from my insurance company when I called.
1: David, how many restaurants do you think actually have business interruption insurance? Is that a solution for a greater percentage or not really?
2: Yeah, most of them have it. Most of them have it. Our insurance guys now are saying to contact your your agent or your broker and have them put the carrier on notice and to get a claim ready. So if anybody does come in and, and rescues us, that you, you'll be ready to file your claim.
1: Smart advice, smart advice guys. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing. And um, we really appreciate uh, what you've got to share with, with the community that I'm sure has lots and lots and lots more questions. So uh, we look forward to a quick turnaround and um, we'll be talking in just a few minutes with uh, jill tyler from tail up goat to hear what they're doing down in dc thanks david thanks lee
2: okay good luck everyone
0: all right so today we have we're welcoming back jill tyler the owner and service director of tail up goat in washington dc jill has been on the show before um under better circumstances in episode six um so jill How are things in DC? And I just, you know, want to call attention to the amazing campaign you started um, down there with your shut us down hashtag. So tell us a little bit about that.
4: Yeah, about, you know, I would say a week and a half ago, everything started to get more real. And we went from thinking what we were facing was going to look like a bad January or two to what was really headed our way. And we started talking to friends in New York and Seattle, and what we were realizing is we were like 10 days behind what they had already seen, where they had seen like 20% drops, and then 30% drops, and then 40, and then the bottom kind of coming out from under. Um, And we at that point just started trying to really aggressively think about how our business could survive this, because we decided our number one priority was to have jobs for everyone to come back to and restaurants are one of those industries where they are cash in and cash out and if you do not have cash coming in it becomes really difficult to sustain paying people and buying product and paying rent and paying back loans and all of those things and we did not want to be in a position where anyone had worked any sort of time that all of a sudden the runway wasn't there to make good on um and I think we did what everyone else did. We first thought like to go or this or that, but then you start running the numbers on to go and the break even is way too high for a restaurant of our size um, to make that work. And so then we just had a really open talk with our staff like throughout the week, but at the end of the week um, and had an all staff meeting and told everyone what was going on. And we made the really hard decision um, to lay off all of our hourly employees at that point. Um, knowing that we would likely be laying off ourselves and our managers in the coming days. And that was when, after we had talked with our staff, we started the, sh- started the shut us down messaging. Um, because again, I think one of the fears when I kind of came on a few moments ago and her- overheard the end of your last conversation, without any guidance, we are worried that if we close before we were mandated to close, we might lose access to relief benefits that get passed or to business interruption insurance or things like that. Um, so we were really, really begging for the mayor to shut us down, both for the safety of our employees. It didn't feel safe asking anyone to come to work anymore. And also so that we could be forced to close and our team could all go home and protect themselves and stay in. Cause it seems like that's what needs to be happening right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think for the good of the whole, it's like you said, it's such a double-edged sword. It's cause like you want to give people jobs, you want to pay them, but then like you're compromising their health for them to come work. And, you know, it's not slowing the spread of the virus, which could get us all back to work sooner. So it's just, it's like, there, there's really no good decision to be made. And it's so, yeah, it's so frustrating that there's no like, like relief or any guidance yet from from the government. So you guys ultimately made the decision to shut should, to shut down. Did you talk to like your employment attorneys or anybody to, like, to see if you've compromised being available to relief? I mean, the conversation we just had with Helbron Levy made it seem like that probably would not be the case, like business is interrupted, period. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just curious what, what you guys have heard on that front.
4: We've been reaching out, again, I think without guidance. No one is really sure, and even our insurance broker and the underwriter are trying to be really careful what they say because, you know, we have a wonderful insurance broker who wants us to make sure we get benefits that should be heading our way from insurance but is hesitant to say how an adjuster might read our policy or define open or define close, which is why for us it was so important that the mayor say, you are shut down. So now we have had that directive, and we know that we can officially close our doors, not try to come up with some crazy model of takeout and pivot our entire business while dealing with a national health crisis, and let our employees go home where they need to be. Because, again, what we really believe is we were being irresponsible to our community by continuing to serve and continuing to have people come through our doors and, and, you know, bring as many people in contact with each other. So we can now all go home, and I really really hope that nationally and locally that is what is asked of all of us because I really want to have a business to come back to and I think every day we're not staying home right now we're adding weeks to what this looks like on the other end
1: I agree I think it's I think it's um it's really hard and you know we've had to do similar measures in our own small business, and there you know there's tons and tons of businesses that that are in the periphery of restaurants whether it be farmers or um, ceramicists or purveyors and all those things that are going through the same thing and and the challenge is you know the challenge of of having to you know close up shop essentially and let team members go um, and and a responsible choice is so that you can then rebuild a business I mean the idea of I'm with you, Jill. I find it hard to believe that most restaurants can sustain you know, the economics of doing takeout in a formally sit-down environment
3: for the
1: four to six months that this may last.
4: I'm worried people haven't yeah. taken the time in the panic to run those numbers. And we started running right. those last week. And we were just like, this, there's no way. And so for right. us, we said, well, we know exactly how much money we have in our bank account right now. We know what rent costs. We know what our loans cost. We know what insurance costs. Like, it's time to hunker down and just try to ride this out so that we can employ all these people when this is over.
1: Have you had a discussion yet with your landlords?
4: Um, We have been in touch with one of our landlords. Um, They've been really wonderful. They're a local company. um, And uh, immediately they let us cut our letter of credit in half to give us access to more liquid capital, which was really wonderful. Like it was an immediate, yes, it wasn't like a, huh, let's see where this goes over the next week or two. They were like, let us make sure this doesn't go against anything we signed with our bank. And as long as it doesn't, we're going to release this to you. So, you know, we had that conversation on Friday and they sent me the paperwork yesterday and I dropped it off at the bank this morning. Um, and we just haven't had a chance to like get in contact with our other landlord. He has reached out and we've reached out, but it's been, there's been so much going on so fast, over the last like 72 hours, that that'll be a conversation, I guess, will happen probably tomorrow.
1: Are you guys making these decisions on your own? Or, or is there a network in DC or a broader national network that, you know, you felt um, empowered and, you know, educated by it to be able to make these decisions?
4: Um, I think we kind of as a ownership team, along with our operations uh, person, kind of sat down. So John, Bill, I and Joan have been having a lot of like, really frank, hard conversations. Um, I, I feel like there are no more tears left. You know, it's been like a week of just despair and weeping to them feeling numb to everything. And I think just as we thought about every option ahead of us, we just kept running numbers, we decided to like, try not to, like, just, like, let emotion make all our decisions, and we just kept going back to numbers to make them. And then we'd call our CPA and be like, hey, this is what we're seeing with numbers. Can you confirm? And then, you know, reached out to other peers and colleagues and let them know what we were doing, um, both in case some people, again, I think naively or hopefully we were all further behind on this than we should have been and so once we decided what actions we were going to take I just kind of emailed everyone that I had contact info for them to know what we were doing not that they should take the same steps but in case not everyone was thinking about it I wanted to make sure people knew like what we were doing and people know us well enough that they would know what laying off our staff would mean to us so um yeah, just trying to let everyone know where we were so they could start thinking about their businesses if they hadn't already made those steps too.
0: I mean, there's there's no good way to make these decisions. And it's, as a business owner, the last thing you want to do is lay off your entire staff in, in one day. And it's, I mean, it definitely brings tears to everybody's eyes. It's, it's awful. Um, but it, it's, as you said, like a lot of these decisions are being made so that you can bring people back. And um, I, I agree with you. I, you know, we, I spent all the, all this past like last half of last week and all weekend running scenarios, rerunning scenarios, and everything was changing so fast that like my Excel spreadsheets couldn't keep up with it. You know, so it's just in a in a such a fast paced world. How do you like make those decisions? And um, you know, what are you guys like? What, what is your plan and the interim to do? And you're just are you just like cutting back on everything? Are you you know just sitting and waiting?
4: Yeah. So we're like kind of referring it to hibernation. You know, we are letting go of everyone, including ourselves. So we will stop taking a salary as of this week Um, and essentially putting the businesses into hibernation mode. So the only thing we have to pay are those fixed costs that we can't do anything about. Right. So rent, insurance, utilities and loans and running numbers to know how many months we can sustain that with the cash that we are protecting by making these hard choices. And we're doing that for both of, of our businesses. So Tail Up Goat has been open a little over four years. We opened Reveler's Hour on New Year's Eve. And wow, has it been a year for Reveler's Hour. A few weeks after opening, we had a fire. <laughs> so we were closed for <laughs> oh. two weeks. And then we got back open and we have a global pandemic. Um, so <laughs> it, has just been, it has just been a surreal uh, couple weeks.
0: How did your team you know, react and, and take the news?
4: I am blessed to work with the people who have chosen to be part of this team. Um, we have just a group of people who are kind and compassionate and smart and hardworking. And we have been talking really openly with them through the last you know, week or two as things started, as we started to see what writings on the wall could have been trying to prepare people. Um, we had an all staff meeting, I think everyone, you know, I can't speak for them, um, especially as their boss. But for me, it seemed like having it in person and having it not be an email that got, went out and doing our best to be as communicative as possible over the last week um, was something that everyone really appreciated. And then we yesterday, rather than to try to stumble through another day of to-go food and, you know, kind of empty our coffers of the walk in that way, we instead had all the management team come in. Uh, and cook everything we had for our team to come pick up. So everyone came and picked up prepared meals and produce and pastas they could freeze and things like that. So that's how we decided to go out. Um, and I think our employees overall understand, You know, um, we're not doing anything or asking anything of them that we're not doing to ourselves. You know, We're laying ourselves off as well and it's all in hopes that we have a restaurant to come back to and that we can rehire them when this passes.
0: Yeah. Not easy conversations to have um, and, and not easy, you know, things to put out there. And and so what's the team doing in the interim? Are they, like, filing for unemployment and, you know, are there resources? And-
4: we have always been, you know, people who kind of jump in and find ways to push um, uh, our agendas when we have them. Um, so right now uh, we're really touching base with our team And letting them know where to be emailing tweeting instagramming um, which members of our local government have the power to pass legislation um, and sorry a lot of ums there apologies in dc today they passed like an emergency act it did not have all the provisions we wanted for workers we want the maximum unemployment benefit to go from 440 a week to a thousand dollars a week through the end of 2020 it did allow for a larger pool of those affected, of those workers who are affected by COVID-19 layoffs to have access to the benefits, but the benefits are not, it's not even minimum wage, you know? Um, It comes out to like 11, 10 an hour or something, and that is not acceptable for someone who has been part of our local economy and paying taxes and working. We need better benefits um, in the short term and the long term. So right now, kind of all of our, Extra time will be spent blasting the mayor's office and our council members and the people in charge of D.C.'s budget, really asking for more legislation on top of what was introduced today to protect workers. There were some great small business uh, benefits that were passed today, but again, it really has to start with our workforce or we are going to lose them as people move home, leave the district. It's expensive. I don't know anyone uh, who could really make it too long on those benefits.
0: I mean, the, the same is true in New York City. It's like 500 bucks a week is what the unemployment benefit is. And if like people actually have to pay their rent the next month. it's There's just no way um, that you can live on that. So I think it's a really smart place to start with the workers' rights. And especially like as a business owner who has wanted to support your employees for so long, you know, and, and to not be able to do that is really, it's heartbreaking for all of us because, you know, we're all in that same position, So definitely, yeah, if you want to shout out, I mean, after the show, if you want to send over, we're going to post all of wrap up of today's discussion. And if you want to send who people in the DC area should be going to and, and, you know, tweeting at and emailing and calling to get these benefits, please, so that we can share them on the show. Um, Thank you so much for sharing your story, your experience for starting that hashtag, shut us down and your area. I think that was really helpful and really widely shared and really, really brave.
4: Thank you. We appreciate it and we appreciate you right now taking time away from your business to hear from others so that you're putting something out for more people to hear and think about as we move through this. Thank you for your generosity of your time.
0: Anything we can do, let us know. we Will um, do. And I look to Getting
4: to the other side of this and buying more aprons. Yeah. And a jumpsuit. I can't wait to come down for a glass of
0: natural wine and pour revelers. I mean, at, at just all the love we can possibly get and, and give um, for sure to get through this difficult time and just can't wait for, to celebrate with everybody on the other side.
4: Absolutely. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you both. Thanks, Bill. Hugs to you guys. Bye, friends.
0: We are going to take a quick break, and we will be back with more guests across the country to hear how they are being impacted and what they're doing in their local communities. This episode is brought to you by Bento Box. Bento Box empowers restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships directly through their own website. Restaurants are currently having to make significant changes to their operations, and BentoBox Box is setting up gift card processing and online ordering stores in as little as four days to support restaurants during this challenging time. With Bento Box, you can drive revenue and keep your guests up to date. Opening soon listeners get 50% off setup fees at getbento.com slash opening soon. That's G-E-T bent com slash opening soon.
1: Alright, great. Welcome back. Uh, we're joined with Chris Shepard from Underbelly Hospitality um, and the founder, is that correct, of the Southern Smoke uh, Foundation? Yes, sir. Um, things are insane right now, Chris, as I'm sure you're going to share with us down in, uh, down in Texas. Uh, I just got a, a New York Times alert that says that we'll be under um under lockdown or house whatever for the next within the next 48 hours. Um Really?
5: How how are you guys doing? Uh you know, it's it's a it's been a big change, of course. I mean, it's it's one of those things in life that you have to take a look at and just say, "Hey, we have to flow with it. Um we have to uh do what's right um to get through this and try and manage and salvage as much as we possibly can. Uh, But, you know, at the end, we have to believe that our elected officials won't let things fall through the cracks and won't let our restaurants deteriorate and won't let our, you know, staff members um, worry too much. But we're all in the same boat. And that's the thing that we keep talking about, that it is restaurant employees that we focus on because that's who we are, but um, it's legitimately everybody. So, you know... Um, as you say, like, if you, if you hear that in 48 hours, you're going to be in lockdown at your house, like, I mean, that's, that's devastating. It's It's devastating, you know? And so when you make that decision, you have to be able to back that up with some kind of, um, you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't know how to say that, but if it's going to happen like this, there has to be something that breaks that helps you maintain a lifestyle without, uh losing everything. Does that make sense?
1: It does. It, it, it makes sense in, in the question. I don't know if there's an answer to it yet, unfortunately. I, I don't it know. It's uh, yeah. really scary. Um, t- tell us about, so, so are you guys closed down? What's, what's the story with, with your places?
5: Yeah, all of our restaurants are shut down. Um, Completely shut we, down. You're not doing the delivery? No, we're doing to-go um, for right now, basically like a curbside pickup. And at some point, uh, if we continue, we will go to a small delivery, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't really want to put our food in third party hands. And, um, I just want to make sure that if we're putting our staff out there, that we're doing it the right way and that they're safe and, um, we're covered for everything. So, you know, all the, all the chefs and all the, all my managers are, are working to put food together and service our community the best we can.
1: And you've been able to, to hold on to most of your team
5: so far no no um, we yesterday was probably the worst day of my entire life um, we we had to to make a decision to uh, furlong all of our hourly employees um, which means they can do what they can do um, but we're going to cover their benefits for as long as we possibly can um, and you know and everybody comes in and they're like yeah I get it I totally understand, you know, and, and, but it's at the same time, I felt like, uh, (laughs) I felt like somebody punched me in the face about 30 times because my eyes just kept watering. (laughs) And, and it's, uh, you know, the decision is made to do this so that, you know, we're, we're small, we're small business. Yeah. We have four restaurants, but you know, I changed everything over, you know, a year and a half ago and I have, you know, we're paying everything off every day. And so, Um, when there's not a lot of reserve to be able to, uh, maintain salaries for 200 plus employees, um, it's just not, I mean, I would close these doors, like the restaurants would close in two or three days, you know, when you start thinking, adding it up, um, we wouldn't make it very long. So, uh, the the decision was made to do it this way so that our employees could make some money, um, Get by with the system. We would help pay their insurance because um, we've always offered, you know, full like insurance to all of our staff. Um, and then when this is over, that they will have a restaurant to come back to, um, and that's the goal. Is that we're all going to hurt, but we need to do it in the least, the you know, the, the not the worst possible way. Um, it's an inconvenience and it, it really sucks, but um, we need to do this as a society for this to stop and for us to get there in a quicker and, and timely fashion. Right. It's really so hard. It sucks.
0: <laughs> it's, yeah, I the mean, there's no, it's the worst feeling ever. It's cause it's like, you're basically choosing between people's livelihoods today and their livelihoods tomorrow.
5: Yeah. Um, I mean, we can all suffer a little bit right now, but um, And, you know, if it was like everybody had three or four months to plan for this, then it wouldn't hurt so bad. But, you know, restaurant employees are working, you know, check to check. We all are. And, you know, it's uh, there's not a big, you know, stash of cash laying around to just like cover every expense for people. But, um, you know, it's like looking at my butcher, like right before we got on this call, I had to talk to my butcher that's been with me for 20 years. And he was like, Poppy, I get it, man. I understand. You know, he's like, they said 15 days, I'll talk to you in 15 days. And I was like, okay. You know, so, uh, it's, it's, everybody's really understanding. It just, uh, it's hard.
0: So So hard. And I want to talk a little bit about you have, you know, you've always been on the forefront of supporting health, you know, supporting people's healthcare care in this mm-hmm. industry, when so many people don't have access with your nonprofit, so tell yes. me a little bit about you know how that's pivoting and and how you are helping people that way, and people in Texas who are in dire need, how can they get access as well?
5: So that that is that's that's a great thing. Um, it's something that we've been working on for a long time. Um, so five years ago, uh, a friend of mine came to me. And we were doing dinners to raise money for culinary scholarships. And he came to me and said, hey, can you do a money uh, dinner for MS? And I asked him, sure, why? And he told me "You know, he was diagnosed with MS. And I said, well, we're not going to do a dinner. We're going to throw a party. And that party ended up turning into a small festival, um, which I said we were going to raise $100,000 for it. And the same people that laughed at me because I said we did that, we were going to do that, uh, cried when I wrote him a check for 180, uh, 181000 And so then we've continued to do that. But after... Uh, year two, we raised 284000 In year three, uh, right before that, Harvey uh, really really came and hit Houston in the face pretty hard in our surrounding areas. And so I made the decision with the staff and with everybody. I was like, hey, look, guys, and everybody was on the same page. It's like, we can't do this for MS this year. We need to take care of our industry folks. And so um, we set up the system uh, to be able to have a uh, committee that verifies employment and verifies crisis. And then another committee that, that, once that happens, that name is removed from the application. And then that, that application goes in front of a, a awards committee. And, um, we were able that year to write 139 checks for half a million dollars um, um, to people in our industry. And I said from day one, I don't care if, uh, It's a busboy, a drive, like a delivery driver, a a drive through worker, a person that stocks the milk, like anybody, a farmer, an owner, anybody that's in crisis. Um, And so we realized after that point that that was a very beneficial thing and something that needed to happen all the time. So we've kind of split up a little bit with MS. We we have a fund that goes to MS, but for the most part, it's the Southern Smoke Hospitality Relief Fund. And we took that to a 24 hour day, seven day a week, uh, foundation to where people could apply at any given time when they they come in times of crisis. So it could be, you know, in this situation, like, yes, everybody feels like they're in a time of crisis. Um, but we definitely, I, I mean, I am not fielding the applications right now, but I know they're coming in, um, and it's things in the nature, like we have to look at health concerns. Yeah, so uh, Lindsay just told me we just got 12 applications in less than 60 seconds. Wow. Um, so the crisis is there. Um, you know, it's just how long will that money be there? Uh, and So we're taking donations pretty much every minute, every second of the day. Um, and this isn't just for Houston area. You know, it, anybody can apply. No, it's, it's one of these things that... Um, you know, we're set up for this, which is great because traditionally you just can't walk around and give out money. Um, but we've been raising money and making sure that we have it and as much as we can to take care of our uh restaurant and hospitality employees. And um, wow, that's amazing 12 in one minute. Um, wow,
0: is that a record?
5: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, generally, it's like You know, you could say this three months ago that it was like,
0: you got like uh,
5: three a day, you know, but now it's a, I mean, if we're getting that many right now, there's a definite need for what's happening. um, And we definitely have to be on the forefront and take care of our uh, employees and just people in this restaurant business that are, um, (laughs) we're all in this together, you know,
0: that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about hospitality. It brings everybody together and we're all in this together, um, at this point, I mean, 12 is to get, go from getting three a day to uh 12 and 60 seconds is, I think just speaks to the gravity of what is happening right now. Yeah. And I can't even imagine, you know, how that's going to, how that's going to change.
5: <laughs> yeah, it's going to, I, it's going to overwhelm the system and, and that's fine. You know what, uh, we, we only have two employees. <laughs> You know, because the the goal has always been to, uh, you know, you hear of the foundations that have like, you know, for every dollar we we give 50, you know, 50 percent back. And and we've always just we have two paid employees and that's it. (laughs) It's 90 something plus percent goes back to somebody in time of need. So um, that's a staggering number, but they're going to have to we're going to have to work really hard at this right now. And it's going to be a lot of funneling and making sure you know what is need and what is crisis, and that's the hardest part
0: so tell us a little bit about what else is going on at like the local government letter sorry we're we're working from home now with our uh, three and a half year olds so if you hear mama somebody screaming mom in the background that's
5: that's great what's happen- <laughs>
0: that's what's happening no, that's um, and i'm I'm also feeding the eight-month-old baby on my lap as we are talking too, so we're just all hands on deck.
5: I mean, I was—I literally came home because nobody had a computer at the restaurant, and I was breaking down a cow. (laughs) So
0: I was
5: like, "I'm going to leave this quarter here on the table. I got to go." So, Uh,
0: so tell um, us—I was going to say—at like the local government level, like what kind of assistance and help are are you guys seeing at this point, or are you seeing anything yet?
5: I haven't seen anything yet. Um, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I think our, well, our mayor said that, you know, like natural gas is going to be like pushed back, water is going to be pushed back. But I think when we start talking about, you're going to have to start dealing with, uh, landlords and real estate. And that's really what's going to come in because if these, if all of us are not getting paid, like it's how do you, or, you know, taking a very, very huge cut just to keep a restaurant open, like at some point banks are going to have to be like, Hey, well, we're going to relax your mortgage a little bit or we're going to relax your rent. And that even goes for not just our homes, but for our buildings and our properties. Um, And that's going to have to be deemed by um, our government officials, I believe. So we'll see what happens. Um, Because like I said, if if we're asked and being forced, not really just asked, but forced, and and rightfully so, it's the right thing to do, right? Nobody wants our employees to be sitting in a dining room helping people that you don't know have a cold do you have congestion or do you have a virus like we don't know um so i don't want to put our staff in that position anyway but you know we're being told to close that i think that there needs someone needs to tell all of uh, the landowners and banks like hey relax for a little bit right We'll, we'll get back to it but right now we need to put everything on hold because these everybody you know if you're working from home at some point that that doesn't work. Right. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. So at some point I don't know the answers and I, and I'm sure everybody is cowering for those and looking and, but you know, at some point if we're being told to take a cut, everybody has to be told to take a cut, you know?
0: I I would agree. I mean, I think it's going to take time, but I think it's going to end up having to roll back up to, you know, the landlords. It's like the landlords are going to go have to ask the bank to give them mortgage forgiveness. Like it's, it's just going to keep, rolling up and rolling up and, um, you know, because it's just not sustainable for it to fall on the backs of everybody in hospitality. It's just not fair.
5: You're asking the people that work paycheck to paycheck to cover this, cover the spread, you know, like that doesn't work.
0: Um, so what's the, what's the silver lining in this for for you all and, and how do you keep positive in this time of crisis and, um, you know, and, and prepare for when you can come back?
5: you know, we just keep pushing and we keep doing what we're going to do. Um, and uh, you fight. And, and I think that, um, what brings us together is you really see the unity in your team and, uh, your unity in the cities and the people in the industries. And, um, you see your guests that come in and, you know, like first thing, first call I got this morning was like a $800 to go order, you know, and the, It's that's the kind of support that we need right now. We need people to buy gift cards. We need people to, you know, kind of help it through the, this little patch and, you know, know that we'll come back. And when we come back, we're coming back strong and we're coming back as a unit. We're coming back as a family. You know, I said to the staff the other day, I said, we have 200 employees. When this is over, I still want 200 employees. I want 200 of the same. I don't want to change. Like this isn't, we need to push together. We need to sacrifice together and we need to do it together, you know?
0: for sure.
5: But at the end of it, the unit is much stronger.
0: The unit is always stronger than the, than the pieces. That is, that is for sure. And wait, are there any resources that you're sending your employees to? Are there any resources? You know, I think part of this too, for the small business owners, like you said, I have four restaurants, but I'm still really small. It's true. It's like the people who are being able to lobby the government. It's yum brands which is kfc and taco bell and all of those and it's mcdonald's it's like how do we as small business owners and hospitality or you know and the businesses like mine that support hospitality how do we band together to make sure that we're not left out of this relief effort
5: (laughs) you know i i i I venture to be willing to say that i don't know the answer to that um but I, I think that, you know, if, if you're under 50 employees, you can make it work. If you're over like 5,000 or whatever it is, then you can probably make it work. But the, the ones in the middle are the ones that are going to be, like you said, that are going to be hit the hardest. And because um, we're in a point where I, I, I don't have it to cover, you know, and yeah. hopefully that we'll get some kind of breaks. And, you know, I know that they're talking about tax credits and things like that. But when you talk about quarterly tax credits... Um, to help payroll, like that doesn't actually work. Um, it yeah. has to be tax credits that are issued immediately um, to help with this economy. You know, it's, uh, I, 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 I think that, uh, you know, it just, I think there's enough small business owners in this country that we should have a say. And I hope that people will listen. When, if, when, and if we can band together, because for the most part, we're all working really hard to keep it afloat and we're only a couple days into it.
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's another question for you. At what point are you just going to say, this isn't, you know, doing the like curbside pickup just isn't going to cut it anymore. And, and it's time for us to, to focus on, you know, maybe Southern smoke solely or whatever it is that you can do.
5: You know, um, at the end of the day, if it's just me standing out in front of the restaurant slinging burgers on a grill, I'll do it. And I'll do it for my staff. And um, I have a very good crew around me that says they're not going to give up. And so um, I'm going to test that <laughs> if it comes to it, right? If it's just me and, you know, one of my chefs standing there slinging ribs out of a smoker, I'll do it and just be putting it back into hoping that one day we can bring our stabs back and, you know, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't ever want to, I don't ever want to have what I had yesterday again.
0: I don't ever want to have
5: that look and that feeling of, even though people understand, like, I am apologizing to every degree and it's bringing me to tears right now. (laughs) um, (laughs) That, it's not my fault, but I'll take it on and I'll take that out on my shoulders to help. And our staff will do the same. Um, yeah,
0: these are these are decisions, and you know, I'm I'm tearing up here too, thinking about you know, we had to let go of some of our staff too, and just you know, thinking about all the all the people that you try to bring together to support this industry, and just having to let them go is is just. Yeah, like, I
5: think shit. I think right now um, it takes big companies um, to maybe look at Southern smoke a little bit and say, you know what, this is how we can funnel money into the system. Um, and that's that's how that has to work if if because it's set up to be able to do that, but companies just have to be able to be like, you know, I see it all the time right now. So-and-so gave $100,000 to this. So-and-so gave it like, you want to make an impact? This is how you make an impact globally or nationally, right? Yeah. And um, I think that that would be very beneficial if some of these larger corporations that can do it look at Southern Smoke and say, this is how I can help out the hospitality and restaurant industry immediately because we don't have red tape. That's the beauty of it. We can have a check in somebody's hands in minutes or days. Wow. And that's uh that's that's the difference between us and a lot of other funds that are set up that take, you know, they'll help you repay it back later on. Um we're going to help you pay it now. And that's the beauty of uh, what we've done and how um we chose to set this organization up. So, it, you know, I've seen it turn around in 24 hours. So, I think that's the uh, that could be a very beneficial answer is if people just go to the website and just hit click donate and go with it Um, instead of, you know, you want to support all your restaurants, but if you're sitting at home and you're like, man, I would really like to support somebody, but I just don't want to go out, then do it this way. SouthernSmoke.org, click donate and do it. Every single penny goes to somebody, and that's the beauty of it.
0: It's, you've been a champion for supporting people who are in a compromised position for five years, and thank you for doing that. Thank you for having Southern Smoke. Thank you for making it available. Um,
4: yeah.
0: And we will shout it out. We'll share it um, when we put this podcast live um, in the next day or so, and we'll direct people there from our website as well. Thank you. Um, Thank you for sharing with me. Thank you for crying with us. Um, I'm I'm, not normally a
5: crier, but man, (laughs) when I start talking about things like this with my staff, it really. How
0: can you not? I mean, it's just, yeah.
5: When I talk about Southern Smoke or when I talk about this kind of stuff, it's the only time that just makes me so emotional that it's really hard. I mean, every year when, when someone hands me this check to put, you know, announce to the number that we made for Southern Smoke it literally takes me back and I start to cry because you can start to see people's true generosity um, and true belief in our industry when most people, like if you look at it now, most people forget about the hospitality industry. And that's a weird thing to say, right? So it's hard, but we'll get through it together. That's the beauty of
0: it. That's the beauty of it. It's all about bringing people together. Yep. Um, All right, Chris. Well, I know you got to go get to that smoker and you have people apply 12 people every 60 seconds needing your needing help from Southern Smoke. So thank you for being a leader in the industry. Thank you for sharing with us. And I can't wait to celebrate with you on the other side.
5: Thank you so much. Let's let's make it through and let's let's get it done and do our parts and, you know, help our industry. So
0: yeah, stay safe and healthy. And we'll talk soon.
5: You as well. Thank you so much.
0: Opening soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. And connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You could also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork.